In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who brings to us law and gospel so that we might bring that law and gospel to the people around us. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, as I said earlier, we're wrapping up our sermon series on law and gospel today. And uh, so far, where we've been has been uh, law and gospel for me and law and gospel for us, meaning us as a church community. And today, what we're talking about is law and gospel for all, which in our climate, that seems like it's maybe a little bit bizarre. Because for us, law and gospel, well, that's a religious thing. And for us who are religious, we know that everybody around us says, hey, that religion thing, that's really cool for you, but keep it away from me. I, you know, this whole sense of something about our religion, about our faith being for somebody else. Well, that seems a little bit strange. In fact, to some of our neighbors, if we said, hey, let me tell you about my religion, let me tell you about my faith, they might start to sort of back away. They might start to say, hey, you know, that seems like it's a little bit forceful. That's a little bit intrusive. That's a little bit unwanted. I'm not sure that I want your religion fasted on me, which is especially strange for Christianity, a a religion that at its very basic core has this thing that is called gospel. And the Greek word for gospel is euangelion, which means good message. And in German, it actually gets a a little bit cooler sounding. It's gutspiel, which literally means good speak. That at the center of what we believe is this good speak. But if you asked your unchurched friends and, and the people around you if there was a sense of good speak or a sense of good news at the center of Christianity, they might sort of scratch their heads. And if you ask them, well, what do you think is at the center of Christianity, or at least what is visible of Christianity, they might start coming up with some stuff that we wouldn't say is good. They might start listing things off like hypocrisy and judgmentalism and wrath. And how strange is it that a religion, that a faith system that is based on acknowledging our faults and our shortcomings, especially here in a Lutheran context, every Sunday, at least, has come to be known by the people outside as something that, as a part of its inherent being, is all about judgmentalism and hypocrisy. It's almost as if those people are pointing to us and they're saying, Well, you're that unforgiving servant. And, well, maybe they've got a little bit of a point. Because the unforgiving servant in this parable is somebody like us, right? Somebody who has recognized that we have a debt. A debt that we cannot pay. We could never pay. I mean, it loses some of its traction in our translation here where it says that the man owed 
10,000 talents and you go, oh, well, that's great. That must be like, you know, uh, maybe a hundred bucks or something. Uh, 10,000 talents is like a hundred billion dollars. I mean, it's just goofy how much money it is. And what's even goofier is that when he originally gets pointed out that the unforgiving servant says, give me some time and I'll pay it back. Well, there's no way he's ever going to pay it back. That's ridiculous. This is a huge debt, a debt that there is no way, A, that the the servant could pay it back, but B, also no way that the master wouldn't know that the servant was racking up this debt. And we're that person, right? We're going to God and we go, we've got this debt. And he's going to us and he's saying, yes, you do. And guess what? That debt is enough for me to throw you and your family in jail forever. And so we plead with him and we say, Lord, let it not be so. Please forgive us of our debt. And he hears our plea. And we are forgiven. But then, but then we go on a walk through town. And on our walk through town, we find a fellow servant. And when we find that fellow servant, we say, oh, I remember that they owe me a hundred denarii. Now, a hundred denarii, well, it, it's not chicken feed. It's about a third of a year's wages. So, take your salary or take whatever you're paying for tuition and room and board and multiply that out so that it's about four months worth. That's how much this guy owes. And the unforgiving servant goes up to the guy and says... Pay me what you owe. Grabs him around the neck and says, pay me what you owe. And that's us. We're the ones who have been forgiven of this great debt. And we look at our fellow servant who owes us about a third of a year's wages. And we say, pay what you owe. Which then the question becomes, well, what is it that we're saying that they owe to us? Because it's different amounts, right? So we're not being, you know, when I pronounce forgiveness over you, it is not like all of a sudden I am simultaneously making you a part of God's collection team. You do not get to drive around the tow truck in order to hook up to somebody's car because they haven't paid their bill in a while. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about that awkward moment that we brought up also last week in the Gospel reading where Jesus is talking about when your brother sins, and it doesn't cut off there, when your brother sins against you. And so what we're talking about is when other people have sinned against us. It's a different amount. It's still a sin. People are sinning against us, though. That we're not laying claim on what is between them and God. Tupac would be so proud of this. Because it's an only God can judge me kind of a moment. 
But what we're talking about here is where we recognize that other people have sinned against us. And in order to really understand law and gospel, we have to start asking ourselves that question. Well, what do I feel that I'm owed? What do I feel like the people around me owe me? And how does that turn me into somebody who is judgmental and who is hypocritical and is full of wrath? And when it comes down to it, there's a few things that we feel like we're owed, especially in our culture. We feel like we are owed freedom. We feel like we're owed the ability to do whatever we want to do. Thank you very much. We feel like we are owed peace. That I should be able to feel like I'm at peace with myself and with everybody around me. We feel like we are owed happiness. That I should be able to walk out in the morning with a smile on my face because of something. We feel like we are owed beauty. We feel like when we look around, and especially when we look at ourselves, but when we look at other people as well, that those things should be beautiful. And if they are not beautiful, we get angry with that. We feel like we're owed success. We feel like we should be able to say, I win. Especially when I work so hard to win. And those are the things that we feel like we're owed. And those are the things when we go to other people and they sin against us by not letting those things happen in our lives, we get angry with them. And we grab them around the throat and we say, pay what you owe me. Pay me my happiness. Pay me my success. Pay me my peace. Pay me my joy. Pay me all of the things that I feel like I am owed. And so, of course, one of the directions that this sermon could go in is just to say, well, you're not owed those things. Right? But I'm going to tell you something a little bit bizarre. You feel that way for a good reason. You feel that way because all of those things amount to what the Bible calls righteousness. And as a son or daughter of the kingdom of God, you are owed righteousness. That you are owed a world in which all of those things work together. You are owed a world in which you have peace, in which you have joy, in which you have happiness, in which you have success, in which you have beauty. Because those are the things of the kingdom of God and you are a son and a daughter in the kingdom of God. But here's the problem. You don't get what you're owed. It just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way in the story here. God doesn't get what he's owed. 
the master here who is owed the 10,000 talents? Even the unforgiving servant, when he wraps his hands around the other servant's throat, we don't hear that he gets anything out of that other than the ability to be violent toward that person and maybe for some fleeting moment feel some minuscule amount of peace or happiness from that. And so God is showing us in this parable how we get to that righteousness. How we get to that success. How we get to that beauty. How we get to that joy. How we get to that peace. And we get to those things by forgiveness. We get to those things by valuing the person more than the thing that what we're owed. And that's what God has done for us. That what God has done is God has gone to us and He has said, I deserve so much more from you. I deserve to feel like you people that I have created are making me happy all the time. I deserve to be able to look out upon my creation and not see you killing one another and demanding what you're owed from one another. And yet, that's what's before me. So I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix this not by demanding what I am owed, but by simply loving those who owe me and by forgiving their sins. And that's what He's done to every one of us. So that unlike that unforgiving servant, we might go out and we might recognize where people have tread against us, where people have been unrighteous to us, where people have destroyed our ability to be some of those things, happy or successful or whatever it is, and to say, I forgive that. I forgive your unrighteousness toward me. And let me tell you about somebody who can forgive your bigger debt. Because in reality, when we go to the person who has sinned against us, our forgiving them their debts is simply an entryway so that we can talk to them about the great debt that God can forgive for them. And maybe if we did a little bit more of that, maybe then we would be known as people with good speak, with good news. Maybe we would even be known as people who somehow, in a bizarre and ironic and seemingly backwards way, brought righteousness into their lives. Not by demanding what we were owed, but by forgiving the debts 
that people owe us. So now, may you this week, may you recognize the debt that you owe to God. May you recognize the debt that you owe to other people in your life. May you repent of those things. May you ask for forgiveness for those things. May you also recognize the debt that people owe you. And may you forgive those things. But even more than that, may you remember that 10,000 talents worth, a hundred billion dollars worth of sins has been forgiven you. And that because of that you are free, because of that you are righteous, because of that you are beautiful, because of that you are successful, because of that God has lavished upon you all of the gifts of his kingdom that perhaps one time you said that you were owed but now you simply receive as a gift. Amen.